0: I love it. As I mentioned last week, part of our strategy for carrying out our vision to know Jesus is to encounter him in worship, in prayer, and in his word. We encounter him, and as we encounter God, we we come in contact with the living God. It changes us. Just like throughout the Bible, when men and women encountered the living God, it changed their lives because God is, is so beautiful. He's so powerful. He's so good. And folks like Peter and John, who were perceived as uneducated, untrained men, they were speaking boldly the gospel. And the religious leaders took note that they had been with Jesus. The, the presence of Jesus and the truth that he taught rubbed off on their lives and changed them. They encountered God. They encountered God. The disciples encountered God in the flesh when they met Jesus. Amazing. Amen? Amen. Um, well, I am super thrilled about the message today, um, as usually I am. Uh <laughs> I feel like I say that every week. I'm trying, I need to stop saying that. I'm excited about sharing this. Um, and I really am. My, my heart that, you know, in the past, past two weeks, I just, I feel like, and I don't know what it is, maybe s- turning 40 in December, uh, has hit me and, uh, and I'm, I just feel like I've, I'm, I have stepped into a channel of grace as I talked about, um, uh, last week. And, and we have prayed for revival. Uh, we had a time of prayer and fasting. There was definitely some stirring up and some reviving and awakening that has taken place. And we we spent large chunks of time praying and we gave up meals. And I was I just I want to say, church, those of you who participated in that, I am just so uh, encouraged and delighted. I feel like this was uh, the, the the annual fast that we've seen the most participation in, and that we've seen the most momentum uh, spiritually. I, I feel it particularly. And, and I think we're going to see more and more of that this year as we increase our prayer, as we pursue God. And at times we give up some meals to sharpen that intensity of our prayers and the sharpen our affections when we're feeling dull and we're feeling stuck in our relationship with the Lord. And so, so we, uh, just a few weeks ago talked about that we talked about the habit of grace of of fasting of making room for god of saying god i want you more than i want my chicken nuggets i want you more and then last week we we talked about just grace and what it is and how it influences our lives and how it changes the trajectory of our lives it truly is amazing It is amazing, and and I I pray that we all be captivated by the beauty of God's grace and experience the reality of its working in our lives to change us, to be who God's called us to be and to do what God's called us to do. And so this week, we're going to continue in the series, Habits of Grace, and we're going to look at the habit of feeding on God's word. As we talked about last week, that, that, that we're to see the spiritual disciplines as as means of grace for us, habits of grace, and and it, it's and we talked about just uh, as as uh, Dave Mathis says in his book, putting ourselves in the in the way of Jesus, in the, in the channel of God's grace, where His grace is flowing. My family and I went to Hawaiian Falls this this past summer for the first time. We've been in Garland for a few years, and we went and our favorite place to be in Hawaiian Falls was the Lazy River. You just go round and round and it's amazing because you just sit and well, I I like, we like the big slides too, but, but we spent most of the time just chilling in the lazy river, racing through the lazy river, playing in the lazy river. And what's fun about it is you just, you just catch the current of the river and you're moved along whether you're exerting energy or not. But if you start swimming and exert your energy, it multiplies because you're in the flow of that channel. And it's really cool. Whitewater rafting is really fun. Kayaking is really fun. You get in that channel where you're being carried along, not by your own power and force, but you're being carried along by a force that's greater than yourself. And that's what we talked about grace being. It's, it's so much more than just pardon and forgiveness of our sins, the free gift, as, a, as amazing as that is in and of itself. I don't want to diminish that in any way, talking about grace, because that should humble us. That should cause gratitude to rise up within us when we, when we recognize the free gift of God's salvation and the grace that we have in Christ. That should be amazing to us. But it's not just pardon, it's power. It not just saves us, it sanctifies us. It teaches us and trains us to live godly lives in this in sober and godly, righteous lives in this present age, Titus 2 says. And so we're looking at this, this, this theme of habits of grace and what are throughout history, what have been the primary channels of God's grace for God's people? When you read the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, you see the church devoted themselves to prayer, the apostles' teaching, that's the word of God fellowship and the breaking of bread they devoted themselves to these channels of grace that god has provided for them to flourish in. and when you read the book of acts you see a mighty river flowing the kingdom of god spreading and life's being changed you see the church being witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria to the ends of the world and there's this mighty channel of grace where the word of god is just spreading and making an impact in the world In the book of Acts, you see a people who know Jesus, love people, and impact the world. This is a long intro. Let me jump in here. So this is what we're talking about today. We're talking about feeding on God's word. Let me just start with this. This is an article that identified the habits of, quote, ultra ultra successful people in the world. Those who are considered successful. Warren Buffett. And here's the common habit. The readers Okay, readers are leaders. The readers, Warren Buffett would read 600 to 1,000 pages a day. Bill Gates would read 50 books a year. That's about a book a week. Mark Cuban reads three hours a day. When asked how he learned, when asked how he learned to build rockets, Elon Musk just simply said, I read books. Okay, so here's some some bright people some people who've done well in their occupation In life and it's a common thread that these people Read these people read they immerse themselves in books as one leadership uh, A guy said that that you will be the same person in five years as you are today Except for the people you meet and the books that you read Now put that in christian terms for us (laughs) it's it's god who we meet this relationship here who we meet with every single day And we're encountering him and we're being changed. We're beholding his glory in his word and in his presence And we're being changed from glory to glory by by the spirit of the lord Right, and we're reading his book There's there's a lot of great books. Charles Spurgeon said uh, Read many good books, but live in the word of god live in the bible Okay, leadership books. There's a lot of great books. I, I'm listening right now on Audible. Uh, Finally, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It was like a classic leadership book, right? Like, I'm stoked about it. I'm excited about that. That's great. I want to learn some principles and stuff, but you know what? I'm going to live in the Word of God, God's book, because he teaches me how, as we looked at last week, how to live a life that's fruitful and effective in 2 Peter chapter 1, right? And so... <clears throat> Donald Whitney says this, No spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's word. Nothing can substitute for it. There is simply no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of milk and meat of Scripture. Okay, and this is common theologians highlight here's like the most important of, of channels of grace and discipline for us to To step into we need to be people of the book people of the word without it How are we going to be disciples the word disciple means student it means learner And followers of jesus are those who have heard his word He's gone out like a sower sowing the seed of his word and the word has fallen on good soil, and it's penetrated into the soil, and fruit starts to come forth. That's what a Christian is—a fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of a changed life. Now, now there are some some folks who the change is slower than others, who are Christians, and that's that's a painful reality for for many of us. But nevertheless, we're changed. And the trajectory of our life is changed. And who we are at the core is changed when we become a Christian. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Christians are those who've received with meekness the implanted word which is able to save the soul. James 1. And so this is an important habit for any Christian to be those who are of the book. People of the book. Now... One of the 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 biggest excuses or reasons for not reading the bible, what do you think it is what what if if you were to do a survey or if if we were to even ask you how much time you spend in the word what what 's going to be the answer I'm too busy I, I don't i just don 't have time i got kids i got a job i don 't have time okay well <clears throat> Donald Whitney points out that. That to read through the Bible, it only takes about 71 hours based on our audio Bibles that we have these days. You do a little research on the internet and you find out that the average American watches about three hours of TV a day. That's 90 plus hours a month, the average American that means that the average American, if they were to replace their TV time with Bible reading time, they could read through the Bible once a month, ideally. <laughs> we don't just zoom through the Bible, though. We'll talk a little bit about that, right? But if you just, at a, at a casual, at the pace of, of the Bible, you know, the audio Bible that's playing to you, it's about 71 hours to, to go through it, right? And so my, I just, I'm pointing this out, one, to highlight it's doable, for us to make time for God's word. Where we're in the God's Word. And we have so many, so many tools of technology. If if you have a, a 30, 45 minute commute to work. You can listen to your Bible reading on your way to work. There's a great app called the Dwell app that me and my wife just love. And you can choose the, the accent voice that you want with it. You can choose the translation. You can read along and see the words while you're going. There's all kinds of background music that you can turn up and adjust. And you can just create it just right. So you got the the perfect feel in your car as you're driving down the street. You got kind of that worship element from the music kind of stirring your affections. And you got the, the words just coming at you and you're just driving 30 45 minutes and before you know it you're through the entire bible you've listened to it and you've got you've gotten a survey you've dri- you've driven across the country of the scripture all right of course we don't want to just drive through we want to we want to find places to stop and take it in those those lookouts those lookouts and just stop and just be like wow I mean, it, it was, my wife and I were in California in the summer. We had an anniversary trip. It was an amazing trip. And there were a, several of those where we just had to just pause and be like, this is amazing. God, you're amazing. And as we're reading through the Bible, we don't want to just keep on cruising. Well, I'm getting my Bible done, reading through my Bible. Check out that off my list. We got to pause and ponder and reflect. I'm getting ahead of myself. The Bible calls this meditation. <laughs> that was my intro. Feeding on God's word. Here we go. Colossians 3.16. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there to Colossians 3.16. Okay, this is a topical teaching. Usually we speak, I preach expository through books of the Bible. Uh, This is a worthy topic for us to spend time on. Okay? To just give a survey and I want to challenge you. I want to cast vision for us to walk in this channel, step into this channel of grace this year because it's... It's for your joy as you'll see your joy will increase it's for your goods for it's it's the key to change that you and I need The transformation that we long for the transformation maybe that your spouse longs for you to experience Or your 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 son or daughter longs for you or your coworker longs for you to experience I just wish they were a little more patient A little more kind And we get in here and we see a God Who's patient and who's kind, and we're changed. And we behold Him. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Colossians three sixteen. Here it is. Here's here's a great New Testament exhortation to make space in your heart and your life for God's Word. The Apostle Paul says, "Let the Word of Christ dwell in you." I think that's where the Dwell app got their got their name. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay? Now, notice this. Let me just share my big idea before I, I go back in this. God calls his people to make space his word. To dwell deep within their hearts and minds so that it shapes and influences their thoughts, their words, and their actions. God calls us to make space for him, to make room in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives for his word. God has chosen to reveal himself through his word, the clearest revelation that we have. Of course, you can see aspects of God within creation. They 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 point to the creator. We see goodness and we see power and we see wisdom behind God's design. But God's given us more than just general revelation. He's given a specific, special revelation in his word that we can get into and get to know him. And so just think this year, saints, if we were a people who let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, we made room in our hearts and in our lives for God's word to dwell within us, shape us, shape our emotions, shape our thoughts, our worldview, shape our actions and our motives, correct and pierce and confront those motives that are impure, that need to be addressed on the inside. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, God's word is powerful, living, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, piercing to the vision of the soul, body, or soul, and marrow. And so if we if we let it penetrate our hearts and our lives and let God do his work on the inside of us, it changes. And, and notice what he says. If, 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 we come, if we come together on Sunday morning, if we're doing this Monday through Saturday and we come together on Sunday morning, there's going to be an overflow when we gather with the people of God or during the week when you gather with your community group or when you meet with a friend, a brother, or sister. There's going to be this overflow out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks, Jesus said. And we are to be people who are storing good in their hearts, storing up the Word of God, treasuring the Word of God in our hearts so that there's this overflow of grace, okay, Acts 20 says that God's word is the word of grace. Paul, in speaking to the elders of Ephesus, he says, and now I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified in Christ. And so God's word is the word of grace. It builds us up. And then there'll be this overflow where we can teach. We have this basis to teach and admonish one another. And, and, and overflow through our singing psalms, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And some of those psalms and hymns are directed straight to God. They're praises to God. And some of them are praises about God. Sing with me. Rejoice. Praise the Lord, all you peoples. Right? And I love the psalms. Let's be a people who camp out in the psalms this year. The, the New Testament quotes the book of Psalms more than any Old Testament book. Psalms is is quoted. Psalms and hymns, spiritual psalms. Okay, I'm not going to dig into all the specifics of that. But and then he says, Whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord. So if we're going to live lives that are that we're living for the glory of God in the name of the Lord and what we're doing and what we say and what we do, we need the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. We need it to change and penetrate. And ministry will flow out of that as we abide in him, in our relationship with him. Ministry starts with you and I being with him before we do for him. Abiding in the vine, okay? Sorry, guys, this is a long intro. So, I want to answer two questions in this message. Why are we to make God's word such a high priority in our lives? Why? Why? Because... Perhaps some of us have that question why should I I love Jesus. I'm a Christian. I think I can just go to church I'm, i'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not going to go to seminary or whatever Whatever Why should the average christian every christian make space for god's word in their hearts and their lives Well, first of all, we're commanded to make space for god's word in our lives Okay, this is how we have relationship with God. This is this is primarily how we hear his voice, not the the only way God speaks to us through other means, but this is the primary means that God gives revelation, clear, solid, authoritative revelation that we're to live our lives by and filter everything through. When we hear other thoughts and ideas or where we get a sense of direction for our lives, we need to take it to the word of God. What does the word of God say? And so God's word has authority, and he commands that we, through the Apostle Paul, we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. The second thing is that we need God's word to thrive. If you want to do more than just survive through 2022, merely exist and just make it on through, I'm just holding on. If you want to thrive and flourish in 2022, then we got to be people of the word. we got to give space for God to change our hearts. Jesus is the one who said, quoting Deuteronomy 8, he said, man does not live by bread alone, but he lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay? And so <clears throat> here's another quote from John Blanchard, How to Enjoy Your Bible. Surely we have we have to be realistic and honest with ourselves to know how regularly we need to turn to the Bible. How often do we face problems, temptation, and pressure? Every day. Then how often do we need instruction, guidance, and greater encouragement? Every day. To catch all these felt needs up into an even greater issue, how often we need to see God's face, hear his voice, and feel his touch, and know his power. The answer to all these questions is the same. Every day, Lord, I need you, as we just sang. Lord, I need you. Do, you. do you feel that? Do you sense that? People who immerse themselves in the Bible are those who recognize they need God and God meets them. He meets us in His Word. We draw near to Him and we don't just stop at the Bible. Now it's possible to be, to, to read scripture, to have lots of scripture that you're familiar with in your head. Okay? It's possible, like the Pharisees, to have five books of the Bible, the Torah, memorized, and know all about the Torah, but not know the God of the Torah. Jesus said, you search the scripture, for you think that in in them you have eternal life, but you won't come to me, and the scriptures are that which testify about me. You see, all the Bible is pointing us to Jesus, to know Jesus. When Jesus was resurrected and he was walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus in luke twenty four he, he was explaining to the disciples from the old testament from the from the law, from the prophets and, and the psalms he was explaining Messiah Christ to his followers and so as you 're reading through the Old Testament this year, look for Jesus because you 'll see him you 'll see him in the old testament the old testament the uh, Hebrews describes. Uh, the shadows of the substance and jesus being the substance christ being the fulfillment okay and so we need to make god's word a priority and we also need revelation from god that's why david prayed the psalmist david prayed in psalm 119 open my eyes that i may behold wondrous things in your law Now, here's here's a man living under the old covenant who had such an intense yearning and desire to know God and to see the beauty and the wisdom and the word of God and just the Old Testament that he had. How much more should you and I be praying prayers like this and all the glory and the beauty that we see that has progressed, the revelation that has progressed in the Bible the New Testament, the, the the more the clarity that we see of God and His plan and redemption history, that's given to us in the New Testament. How much more should we be praying like what Paul prayed in Ephesians one? The eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of our calling, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and the power that works towards us who believe. We need revelation from God. And so we don't want to just approach the Bible without revel- without relationship with God and without prayer and without even asking God. Be like, I got this figured out, God. I'll let you know when I got your word figured out. We do it prayerfully. We open the Bible prayerfully. And we say, God, speak to me today. I need manna. I don't just need to check, check my Bible reading plan off. I need food. I need guidance. I need, I need help. I need healing. I need to see you because this pain will not go away. And I just don't feel like you're even there. I need to see you, God. Show me. Speak to me. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. And so here's 10 benefits. Here's, here's why. Here's why. 10 benefits of getting into God's word. First of all, God's word gives us joy. Jeremiah said, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me the joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name. Oh, Lord, God of hosts. You know, in the morning, you don't have to eat breakfast. You don't have to. You just go to work. You don't have to eat lunch either. You just keep on working through. You know what? You don't even have to eat dinner. Just keep, you know what? You don't have to eat anymore. Just keep on doing it. If you do that, those of you who fasted without food for two or three days, you know that you get weak. You run out of gas. And God's designed us to need substance, to need some food. physically and he's designed us to need that spiritually And it's not just a duty. I mean like when I had my my oatmeal this morning Now oatmeal might seem like a duty to eat y'all for y'all to eat for breakfast But I put some peanut butter in there. I put some cinnamon in there I like to put some pecans in there put some maple sugar up in there sweeten it up Make it good and give me some substance for the day so I can preach this sermon right? We need physical substance. We need strength. We need we need some calories. We need some protein. We need to eat it, and we need to digest it and go into our body and become a part of us and give us energy, fuel to keep going, right? How much more do we need that spiritually? And we can't expect to grow strong and healthy in Christ if we're not feeding on the Word of God, if we're not abiding in His Word. Jesus said this. He said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy May be in you and that your joy may be full. You see, this is what we're talking about today is a matter of your joy. Are you running low on joy right now? Have you been running low on joy for a long time? Well, I believe that the degree that we're in God's Word will affect the degree of joy that we're experiencing. It'll enlarge our capacity to experience joy just bursting forth from our spirit. Through our soul and through our body with physical energy just coming out of us. Because God's in us and He's working in our lives. And we're hearing from Him. We're spending time with Him and we have, and as Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. With that joy, there's strength. There's energy that just, that, that comes to you physically even from the joy that you have. From the download of the spiritual truths that his spirit is communicating to us through scripture. John Piper in his book, he's probably one of the most prolific writers on joy and delight in God. and One of my favorite authors. But he says this in his book, When I Don't Desire God, How to Fight for Joy. I think we all need at times to pick a book up like that. (laughs) Because I think we all feel like that at times. It's not, Christianity is not just a smooth path all the time. It's a difficult, narrow path. And there's, there's a fight for joy. If, but it's not a joyless path. So don't settle for a Christianity that's, a, that's joyless. Even in suffering, Paul said, as sorrowful yet rejoicing. There's a place for sorrow and grieving. We need to. and We need to weep with those who weep. And we need to have a healthy process of grief. Like life is really hard. But there's joy. There's joy because our name's written in heaven. That doesn't change for us, saints. So rejoice, because your name's written in heaven. There's joy because we have this relationship with God. And I believe that those of us who really have that, that's an eternal relationship, unshakable. And so we can rejoice in the gospel truths. We can believe what God says. So Piper says, sometimes what we need from the Bible is not the fulfillment of our dream, but the swallowing up of our failed dream in the all-satisfying glory of Christ. We do not always know the path of deepest joy, but all scripture is inspired by God to take us there. Therefore, scripture is worth more than all this world can offer. That's good. So some more benefits of the word of God is it gives us direction. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses is a celebration of God's law, of God's word. And David's just like, on this mountaintop, just just spitting it out, praising God for His word and, and talking about His devotion to God's word and the benefits of God's word, and he's just kind of wrapped up in this holy experience. Like, God, you're so awesome. Your word is so amazing. Assignment for this week: read Psalm 119. If you if your heart feels dull towards the word of God, spend some time in Psalm 119 this week, and take note of the benefits that that are involved in being people of the word. Take note of what the word of God does in us and for us. Take note of the devotion of the psalmist to God's word. He said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How many of us need direction? You got big decisions that we're trying to make. We've got hard decisions that we, we have to make. There's going to come a point in each of our lives where we have some really hard decisions to make. And, and, and we want to be people who are, who are already in the word of God, immersing ourselves in the word of God before we come to those crossroads. <laughs> you know, not just searching for when we're in a hard time. We want to be equipped for when they come because sometimes you've got to make decisions real quick. When you're driving down the highway and somebody cuts in front of you, you've got to make a decision real quick. Step on the gas, step on the brake, turn, what are you going to do? Last night, our three-year-old got knocked into the uh, uh, fireplace by one of his siblings, and blood was everywhere, and we had to make a decision really quick. Are we going to the ER on Saturday night? I'm trying to get this sermon done. Are we going to go to the ER? Is he going to be all right? Is he going to fall asleep and not wake up? I mean, what what do we do here? And thankfully, God, in his grace, had provision, family, who is has medical history and got it all fixed up uh just didn't even have to go to the ER uh, thank God for for family community and and God's grace and God meeting us and 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 thank God for his grace on my wife and myself in our response to that episode cuz that sometimes that could set parents off like I'm in the middle of something here right now and y'all are breaking each other's heads right um that's grace that's God working and mom and dad like okay it's gonna be all right he's gonna live he's not gonna go in the in the ambulance he's not gonna go to the hospital he's gonna be all right he woke up this morning peeked around the corner he's smiling at me with that little hat on to cover his head it's cute okay so god god's word gives us direction it helps us make decisions it gives us wisdom psalm nineteen seven. the law of the lord is perfect reviving the soul the testimony of the lord is sure making wise the simple you need wisdom you need direction, you need guidance. God's word will give you plenty of it. But we're all guilty, I'm guilty. When, I get some, when we get something new, especially from Ikea, I'm like, I got experience working with furniture, I know how to put this together. And there's always some extra things that are, get left out, something that has to, I need to go back, because I didn't read the instructions. God's given us instructions to read, to know how this life works he 's given us an owner manual right to know how this life works. I had a um, sidetrack i 'm not going to go there. Your car has an owner manual owner's manual and there's some basics that you need to know about your car, like change your oil all right and I always uh, get get onto my brother here who uh, who didn 't do that but but I was just reminded this week that I was actually one of those guys who didn 't change his oil for a while, and my car went from a four cylinder to a two cylinder it was not hitting on all cylinders. Uh, and so that, that car, it still got me to where I wanted to go, but it was much slower. Because I didn't give it proper maintenance. It was, I think it was my first or second car. I was a teenager. I was a new Christian. But I didn't learn enough responsibility to change the oil on that car yet. Uh, but I loved Jesus, and it had a bunch of bumper stickers on the back about Jesus. Got Jesus. The big bang God spoke. Boom. I never drive, fa- drive faster than my angels can fly. Just corny, corny. Uh, anyways, I'm, I'm just all over this morning. Forgive me. Um, another benefit of God's word is it, it equips us. And this is a part of our vision, our strategy for impacting this world is being equipped through God's word. Uh, being equipped and equipping others. If you feel inadequate to do what God's called you to do, then you need to get equipped from God's word. And one of the primary Roles and responsibilities of spiritual leaders in the church, according to Ephesians 4, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay? And so it's not just, it's not just the, the spiritual leaders uh, doing the, the ministry. It's all the saints that are called to do the ministry. And spiritual leaders are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And that primarily occurs through the teaching and the preaching of the Bible. The word of God. That's why we're committed to camping out in the Bible and being people of the book and that if anyone speaks, they speak the oracles of God. If anyone serves, they serve in the ability that God supplies so that God may be glorified in all things. Hear what Paul exhorted Pastor Timothy, young pastor with, in his very last epistle, his last letter before the Apostle Paul went to be with Jesus. He said, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you want to be equipped for every good work that God's called you? He's prepared beforehand good works for you to walk in. You want to be equipped for those and be ready when they come your way and not miss those opportunities? Don't miss your appointments with God your daily appointments with God, so that you can avoid disappointments in life. Now, hard things are going to come. And there's going to be plans that occur. We all walk through 2020. And we experience our plans get smashed and changed. And we're reminded of our frailty and and uh and how really god our life is in god's hands and we need we need to submit to his agenda and his will but god's word equips us while we're here to to fulfill our responsibility we have a part to play god's word is, it's useful it's profitable for teaching for reproof for correction for training and righteousness and equipping for the saints so that we're we're we're, we're ready We're ready to engage in the battle. We need to be equipped so that we can fight the devil when he comes. When Satan and his enemy, his his demons come tempting us and and sin comes knocking at our door. Every time Jesus was tempted in in Matthew chapter 4, he quoted scripture. It is written. It is written. It is written. He pulled out the mighty sword of the Spirit mighty weapons of God for tearing down strongholds. He pulled it out. And he said, it is written, and he fought with the word of God. If Jesus did that, then what what would make any of us think that we don't need to do that? Pull out the sword of the spirit. Know it. Immerse our lives in it so we can be equipped for not only every good work, but but also every every battle that we have to walk through. You know, in the military, they don't just, just hand out those those large weapons and just be like, man, you, you just figured it out. No, there's some training. You got to get equipped. If you're going to use this powerful weapon, you need to learn how to use it and be responsible for it. And God's word is powerful. It's a powerful weapon. It's a powerful tool to build up. God's word sanctifies us. Jesus prayed this in his last, his, his prayer before he went to the cross. He said, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Okay? Lead them in the process of sanctification. Let the, let the influence of your word permeate their lives to where it leads to a life of sanctification. The psalmist prayed something similar here. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Are you storing it in your heart? My wife shared with ladies', uh, ladies uh, retreat a few years ago about storing up God's word in your heart. And I remember her just talking about the pantry and as, as, a, as a mama, as a wife, she's, she stores up, and organizes, puts that food in the pantry, and she's cooking, and, she's, and she, has, she has what she needs. She stores up to have what she needs for, for our family and for, for others that we need to bring a meal to who's sick, right? And so she's storing up. She goes to Costco, and she stores up, yeah. And I do, too, whenever I go. And how much more do we need to do that with God's word? to have to, to just plan to we're going to store it up we're going to take it in we're going to get what we need and of course we're going to apply it as well use it feast on it god's word frees us john eight thirty one thirty two. 32 so jesus said to the jews who believed in him if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free do you need freedom do you need a, a le- deeper levels of freedom God's word has the capacity to free you up from those things that are holding you back to be who He's called you to be and do what He's called you to do. God's Word gives hope. You're struggling to hold on to hope. You're struggling with despair. Romans 15 4 says, Whatever was written in former days we was written for our instruction that through the endurance and through the encouragement of Scriptures. We might have hope our god is a god of hope and he's given us a book that's full of hope And this is not just for you and me, but it's for those who are around us those that we work with We can give hope we can speak words of hope words of life words of grace God's word strengthens our faith romans 10 17 So faith comes through from hearing and hearing through the word of christ. Are you struggling to believe god? Are you are you wrestling with doubt? It's a common experience that we all have. But are are you letting the word of God penetrate and putting yourself under the flow of the truth that flows from Scripture? Listening to it, reading it, studying it, meditating on it. God's word fuels, shapes and fuels effective prayer. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. It fuels and and shapes effective prayer. I mean, how are we going to pray according to the will of God if we don't know what God's word says? God's word is his revealed will. This is what he wants. And when we know intimately and accurately his will, we can pray it effectively. We can talk to God about it. The problem is many folks, they don't want to listen to God, but then when there's a problem, they want to talk to God and ask God for some help. And God's like, I was trying to help you already. I've given you some help. You can come to me. I, and God is gracious and merciful. And just like with Israel, when they found themselves in troubled times because they rebelled against God and they made idols and they chased after idols, and they leaned on their own understanding. We've leaned on our own understanding ourselves. God's gracious to forgive and accept them, accept us back. Piper in his book, when I don't desire God how to fight for joy, he says, letting the words of Jesus abide in us means letting Jesus himself abide in us to us. It means that we welcome Jesus into our lives and make room for for him to live, not as a silent guest with no, no opinions or commands, but as an authoritative guest whose words and priorities and principles and promises matter more to us than anything else does. And lastly, in benefits of feeding on God's word. And these are just these are just 10, okay? You guys, you guys can, this week can find 10 more, I'm sure, if you search for them. The last one is God's word gives us necessary warnings. Can I get an amen? God's word gives us necessary warnings. We need to be warned. We all experience moments in our lives where we need a good, sobering warning. You're about to walk off a cliff. Stop! There's danger. You're headed the wrong way. That relationship you're pursuing is going to destroy your marriage. That addiction you're pursuing is going to destroy your life. Or whatever it is. And Jesus didn't hold back the warnings. The, the biblical writers don't hold back the warnings. They're for our good, for our everlasting joy. Jesus at the end of his sermon in Matthew chapter 7 gave a warning those who hear his words the words he, he has spoken and does them they're like a man a wise man who builds his house on the rock that's positive this is good this is what you want but the one who hears his words and he doesn't act upon the words he or she doesn't act upon the words he's like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand yeah it feels good i got a house It's looking good. I'm ahead of this guy. He had to dig a foundation. He had to find the rock. But I got a house here. He'll be done next year. Mine is done. Just yesterday, there was a tsunami. Warning, tsunami coming. If you're on the beach, if you're on the sand, get off. Lord, have mercy for those who stand in that path right now. Literally right now, the tsunami that waves, four feet waves that were expected. There's there's a storm coming. There's a day of judgment coming. Our lives are going to be tested. We're going to have to give an account for our entire lives. And Christians are those who know Jesus, who re- receive and respond to His word in obedience. In obedience. Okay. Our obedience isn't perfect, and I'm not claiming that I'm perfect. I got plenty of room to grow as a Christian. But the trajectory and the characteristic of our lives, it, when as Real born-again Christians is marked by obedience. Those who don't obey Jesus' words, Jesus said right before this in Matthew 7, He says, Depart from me, I never I never knew you. Not I knew you and you fell away. You didn't hold on enough, you didn't you didn't heed the warnings enough. You never you never let the word of God, my word, have place in your heart and in your life. Depart from me, I never knew you who call me Lord, but you don't do what I say. Real Christianity Involves not only acknowledging Jesus as Lord, accepting Jesus as Lord, confessing Jesus as Lord, but obeying him as Lord. May God have mercy on those who think they're okay. They're just calling him Lord. They're just playing church. They're headed for eternal destruction and they haven't found a real relationship with the living Christ. Jesus said in John 17, three, this is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you sent. And knowing him changes our lives. Now, these are his words. These are heavy words. We need to hear them. We need those warnings. So how can we make God's word a priority in our lives? I'm going to try to land the plane here. We need to recognize its value, its beauty, and its authority. We need to realize our need for God and all that he offers us in his word and through his word. We need to resolve to make it a daily habit to saturate ourselves in the word of grace. Okay, in in our 2-7 series, there's an illustration of the hand. Okay, we we read the word, we hear the word, we read the word, we study the word, we memorize the word, we meditate on the word. And my favorite to talk about here is meditation when we look at these. Okay, okay. Meditation, reading instead, reading is like getting that survey. You're driving through the terrain of the U.S. Meditation is like parking, stopping, taking it in, letting it stir your awe and affections and be wowed by the creator and his creation. Here's a couple of definitions. Donald Whitney says that meditation is deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in scripture for the purpose of understanding, application, and prayer. Now if we're just re- if we're just hearing, we're just reading, hearing, studying, memorizing and meditating, but we're not applying, we're not praying, we're not communing with God, we're we're missing the point. We're not moving to where the Bible wants to move us to. That is to relationship with Jesus and and and, and engagement in his agenda, doing his agenda, doing his will. Okay? David Mathis in Habits of Grace, and I love his approach in talking about the spiritual disciplines. I hope this is a breath of fresh air for each of you, especially those who have felt burnt out as you've tried to discipline yourself to follow Jesus. They're rightly called spiritual disciplines. But I think it's helpful when we see them as habits of grace and we realize the grace that's available for us to step into them and that we experience when we do step into them. David says, uh, "Meditation is truly med- meditation that is truly Christian is guided by the gospel, shaped by the scriptures, relying upon the Holy Spirit, and exercised in faith." He points out that this is different than than um, than Eastern meditation. It's not. This isn't about emptying your mind and like and tuning in with yourself. This is this is about filling your mind, focusing on God, focusing on the scripture, and keeping in step with His Spirit. Yeah, and there is a place There is a place for self-examination and self-awareness. A lot of Christians need to grow in that, becoming more self-aware of what's going on. Why are they upset? Why are you unkind? Or why, why didn't you consider this person and just slow down and ask what's going on with yourself? Um, but, but, but biblical meditation is about being shaped by scriptures. Being, it's being reliant upon the spirit and exercising of faith. Uh, He also says, Bible reading is like watching the film in in real time. Study is like going through a clip frame by frame. Meditation then, along with scripture memory, is for lingering over particular frames, pressing the significance to our hearts and into our lives. Slowing down. Oh, look at that. You can do that with your phone, smartphones on a video. And then you can do a screenshot and you can share it as a as an Instagram picture. I don't know if you know that option. It's pretty cool. You got a good video, hit pause, screenshot. Look at that. Look at that smile on that little boy or little girl. Like, that's beautiful. Soak it in. Enjoy that moment. What is biblical meditation? J.I. Packer says that meditation is the activity of, in his book, Knowing God, meditation is the activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on, applying to oneself, the various things that one knows about the works and the ways and the purposes and the promises of God. It is the activity of holy thought consciously performed in the presence of God under the eye of God by the help of God as a means of communion with God. In his book, Knowing God, he said he, answered, he asked the question and answers it. how do we turn knowledge about God into knowledge of God? Because many, many Christians and, and seminary students and Bible students have that problem, have that struggle. Like, man, I know so much, but I'm living out so little, and I don't know the Lord as deep as I as I should by now, right? And and so he says, here's here's what, here's the link, here's the gap, here's how you fill the gap. It's biblical meditation, meditating on the Scripture. Not just reading, not just studying, not just memorizing. Memorizing is great. I encourage everyone to memorize. I've been challenged by my my brother, Brian, who's memorizing Ephesians 4. And I said, man, I'm on board this year. Let's do this. Ephesians 4. It's, it's legit now, Brian. It's on camera. It's Ephesians 4. By God's grace, it's going to get here. It's going to get here. It's going to get deeper here now. I already have a lot of Ephesians 4 memorized, so I'm kind of... Anyways, so... Um, so, meditation is kind of like a cup of tea, as Donald Whitney describes. Like, it has to uh, steep. Let, let, let the, the tea bag steep in that warm, hot water. And it gets richer and richer. The flavors come out. You get some good tea with a little bit of honey in it on a cold day like this. Who's going to go home and make some tea this afternoon? Or a cup of hot coffee. Um, Meditation is like ruminating, okay? Chewing the cud. Cows have, what, four stomachs? Is it four or six? It's either four or six stomachs. And they chew the cud. They ruminate. They chew the grass. It's just a slow process. They're just chilling. Nobody's rushing me. I'm just going to eat. Chew the cud. They swallow it. Spit it back up. Chew the cud. Just chilling. Swallow it. Okay, that's what meditation is. We camp out, we stop. Let, don't just keep going. Let's, let's chew on this. Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in us, in you richly. What's he saying here? How's that, how's that relate to singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another? How's that relate to doing everything we do in word and deed in the name of the Lord? How's that relate to the Christian life? How's that relate to this year for me? When we look at the bible when we 're studying the bible we we want to we want to ask questions observation what do we see what do you see what 's there okay what 's there um, you we, 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 we observe we uh, what does it mean okay interpretation okay what, what do you see what does it say what does it mean okay interpretation uh, let's see I, I wouldn't plan on sharing this I, so observation interpretation, of course, application, but there's one more. Uh, Correlation is another one that I like to, how does this relate to other points of scripture? As I'm reading like, oh, this sounds just like what Paul said here, what Peter said here. These fit together. Jesus and Paul, hey, they're on the same page. Must have been the same Holy Spirit that was leading them to speak and say and write what they did. So, ruminating or meditation is to think deeply about something or to ruminate, chew the cud. David was one who meditated on the Word of God. Uh, you read Psalm 119 this week and, and take note of that, his commitment. Here's just a sample of a few verses. And then Joshua, God charged Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. Joshua, in this context, was taking over leadership, and it was time for... For him to, time, thank you, I'm um, over time. Uh, he was taking over leadership and he needed, here's the key to his success. Here's, here's how he was the, verse before that, be strong and courageous. Um, he, he had to med- meditate on the word day and night so that he would do it. God said he would help him do well. So let me just land the plane here. I said a lot. Let me, and Let me just say this. When I came to Christ, I was not a reader, okay? I failed in junior high, okay? I'll <laughs> just to be real. Like, I did second grade, seventh grade twice. <laughs> I did seventh grade twice. And then, you know, they didn't want me in uh, seventh grade again. Uh, and so they, they bumped me up. They just like, oh, you're going on to the high school, okay? You'll start getting credits then or no credits then, but you can't stay here. You're You're like... Leaven, you're like cancer, and no, they didn't say that, but I, I, I was, I was, I was not walking with the Lord, and I was influenced and being influenced influencing others the wrong way. But I wasn't a big reader. I didn't value education. I wasn't brought up with a value for education, and so when I got saved. I had this new passion to read and understand and get wisdom and get knowledge and get understanding. And I started taking baby steps and I started using a new living translation, a new believer's Bible. And I loved it and it had questions and answers. And I was just like feasting, just devouring the Bible. And I wasn't a big reader. And even now I wouldn't say I'm the best reader. I know I got friends, they post all their books that they read in one month. And I'm like, man, that would crush me if I read all those books in one month. But you know what? I'm growing in my capacity to read more and listen to more. I love Audible. I love, and even in my Bible reading when I'm, when I'm feeling behind or I need some help, I'll put the Dwell app on. I'll read along with it. Cause I like to stop in a lot of places. I'll be like, I'm gonna stop here. I'm gonna stay here. And, like, I, I want to survey through the Bible in the entire year. I'm using a five-day reading plan. You can grab one back there in the back. You can get an app. It connects with the Version Bible app, which I love, by the way. Uh, and join. I, you know, I would love for a whole, whole church to go through the Bible in a year. But I know that one, that probably a lot of folks aren't going to do it. And I'm not going to say, this is a command. You have to do this. If you're a real Christian, you'd be reading through the Bible in a year. I don't think that. Okay, but I think it's helpful to to drive like to go to every state, right, and and get 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 a survey. An over, to, if you're a Christian, at some point in your life, to be able to read the entire Bible, so that when an atheist said, "Well, hey, you're trying to get me to be a Christian," have you read the Bible, the entire Bible, that you'll be able to say, uh, "I have, I have read the entire Bible." Right? We want to we want to we want to read the entire Bible. But even more than that, we want to get to know the God of the Bible. We want it to move us into communion with God. We want it to change our lives. And so let me me just close with this. Find find a plan and commit to a regular daily Bible reading plan. Okay? Uh, Like I said, you know, if if you're one of those who watches three hours of TV a day, stop it. (laughs) No, no. If you watch three hours of TV a day, that's 90 plus hours a month, uh, you, ideally you could, you could read through the entire Bible in a month, in 71 hours, if you just went with the pace of turning it on the Bible app, and boom, you're through it, right? And so let's make time, let's commit, and, and have a plan. You know, my wife does meal plans, okay? She plans out that we have this, we're gonna use this, uh, now, If we don't have a meal plan together, we're still going to eat. We're going to get something. We're going to put something together. We're going to go out to eat. We're going to get fed somewhere, somehow, right? Bible plan just helps you to effectively do that so that you have a well-rounded diet that you're feasting on. D.L. Moody said this. He said, a man can no more make a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain life. For a week, we must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. We we draw upon that from the channel of grace in his word. We need it every single day. And so lastly, focus on the truths of scripture that catch your attention and let it lead you into prayer, into action. Let it lead you into prayer, into action. Let us pray.